I think that's on again. <laughs> so we'll, we'll begin with, uh, continue with um, our study in Galatians. Um, again, some questions about uh, Paul and uh, his uh, concern of what was happening to the believers in Croatia. Uh, as a quick recap, as we like to do so that we can spring, jump forward, uh, we know certain things about Paul already. Uh, could you just give me one or two? And then I want to ask you to practice your reading your map to see how Paul would have moved uh, from the point of uh, prior to his conversion and to the point now that he is converted. But uh, just two things that you know of Paul uh, from what we've done and prior to that. What do you know about Paul? Just, just two things about Paul. Have you heard about him? He was a Pharisee. He was a Pharisee. Okay, good. Anything else? Another one more. He became a Christian after encountering Jesus Christ. He became a Christian after he encountered Jesus Christ. After he encountered Jesus Christ. Alright. Um, let's do this then. And um, tracing Paul's movements after his conversion. But to do that, I, like, let's try this. Look back, I think it's still in some New Testament. Acts chapter 15. It's, it used to be there. I think that comes after Genesis. Acts chapter 15. That's a long, uh, long as relative. I, I, I have in my version of the Bible broken down into subheadings. The Council at Jerusalem, James' Judgment, and the Second Missionary Journey. That's how it's broken down for me. I don't know, do you have yours broken down any subheadings? Um, what, would, what would they be? What would yours be? The Council at Jerusalem, uh-huh. the Letter for Gentile Believers, uh-huh. Second Missionary Journey. Okay. And the letter would have been James' Judgment based on that. Drew yours does not break down. Thanks for going. Uh, okay. Do you remember anything about uh, um, Paul at Jerusalem when he went there? Was was the reason there's an issue going on? You don't recall anything there. If not, I you have to ask for you to deposit some faith in what I tell you would have happened there. No. Um, well, then, well, the answer be in the first part of chapter 15. Oh, that's, that's well, interesting. Part of the book. Just an overview. What, well, um, let, let me read the first, yeah, read maybe the first five verses and then stop. Maybe that will jar some recall, maybe. And some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Wow. And then Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them. The brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders 
concerning this matter or this issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. And when they arrived at Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But certain ones of the sect of the Pharisee who had believed stood up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. End of verse 5. Okay. To get a sense of what's going on. Um, then over in verse 13 and following, Kim's, they obviously had a convener, we need to talk, kind of thing. Uh, but what do you think is going on? Well, you've heard of her, it talks about Jesus, brethren, talk about you got to be circumcised uh, in order to be, be saved, following, of course, after the custom of Moses. And so obviously that was, that was a big fight in being down. Um, for Barnabas, that's, that is not a requirement. And yet there were those persons who were saying that that is necessary. So that we need to talk this over. And um, obviously, there was a decision made. But I wonder what would that be? What do you think the, the apostles or the leaders of Jerusalem, and also as they were traveling from where they were, but in a sense that we need to go down, to, let's go to headquarters. We need to resolve this because there seemed to be a conflict in terms of the content of the message. And last time we talked about what that is, and yeah, what is the gospel? What is this gospel that Paul was preaching? Is this different, or was the people who were coming after Paul, after he would have established churches or groups of believers in different places, uh, the persons who came afterwards, were they telling the truth or the true gospel or not? What do you think? Well, obviously, some of these people uh, are not spreading the true gospel. They're adding elements from Judaism <coughs> into uh, Christianity, saying this is what you have to do to be saved. This, um, some of these customs, this is necessary in order to be saved. So they're adding okay. uh, things to the gospel. Let's this maybe just as a clear to to you with respect to the comment. Can we have verses 6 through, um, let's go to 12. Let's just read that out loud in, in the same Acts 15, 6 through 12. The apostles and the elders came together to look to this matter, and there, they had been, and there they had been much debate. Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believes. And God, who knows the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did, for, did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we, but we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, in the same way as they are also. All the people kept silent, and they were listening to Barnabas and Paul as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Great. Good. So what do, you, what do you think is happening so far? What do you see happening from verse uh, 1 through 12 to get a backdrop? What, what do you see happening? 
And so initially there was some debate in the church. Um, those people who thought that you had to be circumcised in order to be saved, uh, I guess started to tell Paul and Barnabas, you know, you guys are wrong. Uh, so the debate broke out, so Paul and Barnabas uh, decided to head back to Jerusalem to discuss it amongst the apostles and the elders. Um, and even on their way, they were still, I guess, sharing the gospel, because in verse 3 it says uh, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. So it seems like they still were actively spreading the gospel. Um, they arrive in Jerusalem, they give their report, um, and it seems like a certain group of Pharisees are like the same people mentioned in verse 1. They have the same belief that circumcision is essential for salvation. Uh, this is almost like a court hearing then. It's like we need to have a discussion on this. And so the leaders, the elders, those who, the proponents of circumcision as a necessary requirement to be saved, um, they're presenting their case. And Paul and Barnabas certainly um, are telling about their experience and how circumcision is not necessary. So when Peter stood up, who side was Peter on? In terms of Peter, his comments that was just read, what side do you think Peter's on from the comments made there? Is he endorsing or, um, circumcision or is he saying only some people should get circumcision or he's totally rejecting it? He's rejecting circumcision. Okay. All right, that's unanimous agreement. All right, we're going to fight over this then. Okay, um, and of course it moves down because now Peter says what is ha what's been happening. There's no distinction between the Jews and the Gentiles. We preach Christ and faith in Him, and that's it. And they got the same, or were given the same Holy Spirit. So why are you adding something else? Well, verse 13 says, and after they had stopped speaking. James answered saying, Brethren, what's up? You see it? He says, Listen to me. Now, why, why did James seem to be after everybody else talked? Does, does that suggest to you like James was in some position of authority? Could he have been the president of the Apostle Club, I mean, um, board? <laughs> you scared to guess, eh? Mm -hmm. Well, it says, Listen to me, James says. Simon has related how God first concerned himself about taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. Now he's quoting scripture here. After these things, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David which is fallen and I will rebuild it ruin and I will restore it in order that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, verse 19, it is my judgment. Uh oh. Now that even tells you more about who 
change this. Notice how we begin after everybody else talk, and now he's in verse 19. Therefore, it is my judgment. This is all right. Here's the final word. That we do not trouble those who are turning to God from among the Gentiles, but that we write to them that they abstain from things contaminated by idols and from fornication and from what is strangled and from blood. For Moses from ancient generation has in every city those who preach him. That's right. Since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barnabas, or Basilus, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. And they sent this letter by them. And the letter follows from verse 23 through verse 29. So do you get a sense that the James comment is like, here's the summary conclusion, here's the verdict, here's the conclusion, this is what we will do. But he didn't make one stipulation there. Therefore, this is my judgment. First, he used the term um, that uh, we do not trouble those who are turning to God. What do you mean by trouble? We didn't trouble them who are turning to God. How do, what do you mean we don't trouble them? Paraphrase. We don't know. We probably won't use that today. If they don't bother me, don't trouble, what do you, what do you think that consists about? How were they troubling them? The implication is that they must have been troubled. Troubling them with this uh, idea of being circumcised. So it's trying to tell them, don't bother them with that. You know, leave it alone. That's not necessary. In other words, they were adding another requirement that you need to do. When you say, is that necessary? Uh, and the discussion, obviously, these with the leadership of the early church at that time um, decided that that's not necessary. But he did say instead, we will write a letter and ask them to do what? What is it that he wanted them to do? But that's the man. Let's write a letter. But what he wanted them to do? Save from things contaminated by idols, and from fornication, and from what is strangled, and from blood. You still there? It's a little. Uh, the, I still too much of the stuff now. Why are you other stuff? What do you mean? Thanks, Frank. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah it's good to make get the first question. Yeah. They don't strangle it. You can kill it, but don't strangle the animal. If the animal is being strangled, don't bother with it. Again, he's referring back to some old well, law, because he referred to that of ancient time. Ritual. Um, you even know that elsewhere, Paul, Paul addresses, you know, um, especially in Corinth. Huh? I think it's But they're also talking about, you know, what you eat. But right now, I suppose the issue, as Paul was saying, look, that circumcision is the primary thing. Yeah. Uh, but then James said, look, I think that's how these things. What about animals? You can kill that animal, but long as the animal can't breathe, that's where you kill it. Well, I suppose eventually 
in equations 18. Then, three years, now you of course you pick this up from the previous verse. Then, three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stay with him 15 days. Question. For the Trace Paul's movement after his conversion, does what he says contradicts his... Luke, Luke said something about Paul, but we need to read this. Look, look back at Acts chapter 9, verse 18 to 20. Then, uh, then comes the question. I need to read that out loud, please. Luke chapter... Sorry, Acts chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. And suddenly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers of the Bethesda for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. Oh. If you just read that, what, and I remember this was after his conversion experience. How soon did Paul, after his encounter, on Damascus Road and having gotten into Damascus because once he got there he was asked to go see somebody and before he started preaching. Does it, does it give you a sense of how soon it, or did he do this within after a few days? A few days is relative. Let's say it's more than two. Was it a month afterwards? Okay, so he got to Damascus, he met Ananias, he was outside for three days. So, if he was outside for three days, I knew when he met Ananias, his sight was restored. So, we, can we conclude then that he hadn't seen Ananias for at least three days? Yeah. So, when he got to, to I guess, to Damascus, um, the word on the street, Took a while for him to track down. Well, he couldn't track when somebody had help. Find out who, where is on an eyes. Put the word out. Not a hit. This is just the location now. Where is Ani? Nice. On an eyes. It seems quick after. Seems quick. Yeah, after you could see. Seems quick. I'm going to read verse 16 um, just to. to well, and 16 starts, so of course, it's a continuation of what was said before, but. Um, just for the sake of time here, to reveal his son to me, he's continuing with his response, that might, that re, sorry, to reveal his son to me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, and whatever that means, right? Did not consult a man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But 
I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. What? You see, is that your version? Verse 17? So when did he come to Arabia? Before he consults. So before he gone back to Jerusalem. And how long was he there? Then verse 18. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, and I stayed with them 15 days. Wow. Would it be possible that what we read in Acts chapter 9, and then what we just read here in Galatians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, could it be, is there a contradiction in time lapse? Luke, he had nothing to say about it. Luke didn't mention it. Luke there says, he was out three days with us guys, and then after that, he started preaching. And either Luke can tell them the truth, or Paul is fabricating something here, or maybe it has something, not that, none of those options are necessarily correct. Did he well, was there a contradiction first? We need to figure that out or not. Now, I know personally, no, it can't be a contradiction. So if you come to that conclusion, then what explanation would you have? Did he start preaching right away? After you can see, once his eyes popped open, boom, he started preaching. Yet he says, now, he, uh, he was not taught. We talked about that by flesh and blood, or humans didn't give him the... And he, well, what is it he going to preach? He just got... God just suddenly downloaded all about what he needed to say onto his hard drive. And he said, talk. Yeah, God can do that, I guess. Yeah. So, there's a contradiction or no contradiction, but it's impossible explanation in the absence of any contradiction. Tick tock. Tick tock. Luke says something, Paul says something. Is there a contradiction? Okay. See, maybe in Acts it doesn't give all the details, but in Acts, this is 9, if you continue to read, after he starts to preach about Jesus Christ, uh, says he kept confounding uh, the Jews and he increased in strength. Uh, so the Jews plotted to kill him. And their plot became known to him. And they were also watching the gates day and night so that they may put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and led him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. And it says when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing what he not believing that he was a disciple. So probably between verse 25 and 26, before he comes to Jerusalem, mm -hmm. it seems like he escaped from Damascus. He might have went to Arabia. And then three years later, he arrived in Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas. I guess get to know him because he did not before. Okay. Uh, All right. Possible explanation there. We also, like James, would like to say, now having everybody else have spoken, now we come to the final judgment um, that Janique will now render a judgment on the whole scenario. <laughs> <laughs>
it's like I think this court is going to be adjourned uh, for a delayed verdict at some point in the future. But it did suggest that uh, in verse 17, again, it says, Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia, and watch this, here it comes, and returned once more to Damascus. Could it be then that that Damascus that Paul is referring to, that Luke is referring to in Acts, even when he was, when he came back, he was even preaching in Damascus. And then the people said, look, we can take you out, babe. So, and maybe, could it be then that he, would they, they find out that there was a plot against his life, to go down the streets, let's get rid of Paul. And could it be then that when he escaped out with this basket, that's the first elevator mentioned in scripture. All right. He went down over the wall. You know, and he pressed the button, they let him down, and then he decided, I had an introduction. Yeah. Could, could, could we sell that on the, on the corner of the street in World Road? You know, uh, set up shop. So here's the scenario. There is no contradiction. Luke did not give you all, Luke condensed the, what, what took place. He was blind, then Luke did this subtle skip that three has gone blank. During that time, in, in the desert of Arabia, that's a good distance he gone travel. And he said, while he was there, who was teaching him? No, it's just him and God, or Jesus. Teaching him, at least mentoring him, what does he get about himself? Teaching him. So he, now he comes back, and he right from where he left off, from into Manchester, there, but when he got there, people telling him, hey, what he's saying, you know, um, let's take him out. Because the Pharisees were calling him there. Um, went down to Jerusalem, and here's where we are. Now, and um, presenting as we read in Acts 15, so that we follow the movement. So we were following Paul. Could this be the, 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 the scenario? Paul on the road to Damascus to arrest people of the way, believers, Christians, encountered Christ. He struck blind. He's given this instruction: go into Damascus. Wait till you see Ani. When he gets Ananias, seek him out. And of course, in the meantime, um, God is showing Ananias his own personalized version of email, telling him that, hey, Paul is coming. Um, you know, and he said, which one? Not the one that Saul, who used to be called Saul, who used to be checked, wiping out, trying to arrest Christians and then taking them off to Jerusalem to be incarcerated. Yeah, that's the one. Um, but he's a new man now. Say, Lord, are you sure you know what you're doing? This man, you can't trust him. Nonetheless, there's a spoiled journey. Was in, in Damascus for about three days, approximately three days. Um, then obviously met Ananias, who laid hands on him, and then like scared because he was blinded, like fell from his eyes, and he could see. Right after that, here's the, what happens? What did he do? Did he start preaching? Or did we go with verse um, 17? And after it was before me, he did not consult with those persons. He didn't go up to Jerusalem, but he went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then, after three years or three years later, then I went to uh, Jerusalem. That's where he's at now, presenting his case, because obviously, during that three-year period, he's been teaching. Because obviously the people now are concerned that he's not telling them that they have to be circumcised. So his predominant audience would have been Gentiles. And so here's where he's at at the moment. See, what, for example, specifically in verse 17, 18, 
the question is, what specific point is Paul seeking uh, um, to press home to the, in these verses on 16 and 17? When he says, to reveal to his son to me, this is again talking about God the him on the road. To reveal his son to me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. I did not immediately consult with other humans. And in this case, to be more specific with other else, because verse 17 follows that I believe. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. In essence, what is he saying in this, those two verses? I've been given an assignment, not by humans. I did not go to Jerusalem to where the other apostles or leaders were. I got this message and that's it. This is direct. Therefore, everything that I say now would have been given to me directly. So I have a divine message for you, given directly by God Himself. How long did he did, did again did he live in seclusion? He been away for about three years before he come back up, at least back to Jerusalem. Question, is Paul saying here that he got all his knowledge from the other apostles or from God during his days in Arabia Desert? The answer would be the latter. What dramatic change had taken place in Paul's life? Well, we know that because if you think those who would not have seen him for a while when they saw him, last time they saw Paul on the street, questions were heading for shelter. Now when Paul comes back on the street, the Pharisees, who he used to hang with, they're the ones who now brought him and said, we can take him out, we can kill him, because he's obviously, he's made it 360 degrees. He is obviously, this is going to be the same man. But that's exactly what's happening. In, verse, in, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, 16, and 23. In chapter 1, verse 8, 16, 23. What is Paul uh, said to have preached in each of these verses? In verses 18, sorry, 8, 16, and 23. What is it that Paul uh, would have said to have preached in these verses? And can you link them together for me in a sentence? What is, what is it in verse 8 that he said in verse 8 that he said in verse 8 Good news. So we call that, could that be the gospel? Yeah. Okay, that's it. What, what about 16? Same thing or is there another word in there? Preach him. him. Preach Jesus. Christ, the gospel. Christ, the preach. Christ, Christ is the good news. Yeah. Okay. Um, and verse twenty-three. Faith. Faith. To construct, to destroy. Wow. So, so yeah, gospel, Christ, faith. Put that together if you could. Yeah, if you people say it this way, if you buy it, put that together and make sense out of that. So if I say, what did Paul preach? Merge those three concepts in a sense and say Paul preached or however you want to begin, but finish that, where those three words are embedded in a sense. You know, I will give a recording here, this little gadget to the person who has that sent it, send it off to Jerusalem for judgment of God. Finally, that gospel. Crucified. The gospel Jesus Christ says that you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Nothing else can save you. 
gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. What he mentioned earlier and Verses 3 and 4. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, so that he may rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of God. Our, so, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. So, he's preaching about Jesus Christ. Faith that we would have in him. So, the one sentence is, is what? That's a long standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of legal sense. No punctuation just keep going on. With only colons in between and on and on. The one sentence with the gospel and him or he reference to Jesus Christ and faith and that's the gospel they say in a nutshell. That's a not that's the gospel in a bundle. What 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 one sentence you can use those three um, concepts in? That's what he preached. Essentially that. I could hear one coming down deep from Jamaica, I just like put the bubble up again. Yeah, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I have your attention, please. I am preaching the gospel in faith about Jesus Christ. If that, if that wasn't making noise over there at AC, I would have said I heard you clear, you know, but I am deaf on one side. <laughs> Go ahead. I said he preached the gospel in faith about Jesus Christ. He preached the gospel in faith about Jesus Christ. Wow. I guess I'll, I, for my own um, edification, what do you mean by in faith? He preached the gospel in faith. Is it possible to preach the gospel out of faith? Because I'm assuming the opposite of in faith would be out of faith. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's how my left brain works. Um, so, what, what, so I, if, I, if you explain even the, is it possible to do it out of faith, I might begin to understand what it would be to do it in faith. So you preach the gospel in faith about Jesus Christ. What is in faith? In faith would mean that you really believe you should tell Okay. So Paul believed what he was telling the people to be in fact truth. Therefore, when he was preaching uh, the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, he actually believed that to be the truth. And so that was necessary to teach to other people so that they too would believe. So how will, well, one of the questions would be, how do they know that Paul believed what he was teaching? Because you know, you can have people who are very persuasive and don't believe a thing, what they're saying, but it's honest, yeah. And so all you need to do or be is very charismatic and convincing, where I have the, the, the gift of God, you know, persuasive tongue or language. And people believe that, they say, wow, 
but behind closed doors in the Arabian desert, Paul even checking for that, he didn't really believe it. So it is important that when one comes to faith, that they must hear the gospel good news, and it must be about the person of Jesus Christ. But the person who's telling it to you, they must believe it too. Otherwise, what you believe is not truth. That's where it gets cloudy and overcast okay. for me. Okay. Uh, so the gospel of Jesus Christ's faith. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, the gospel is the good news. And it says that the person has to have faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. And that faith is based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross for them. Uh, so the gospel being the good news says faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. That's short, undescriptive summary of the gospel. Faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, earlier in the verse, he says what that faith is based on. Jesus Christ, death, and resurrection. So the faith would be in Jesus Christ. He'd be the object of faith, not just a, a strong book. Faith has a, a foundation in something like a chair. When you sit in a chair, you, you really have faith that the chair is going to hold you up. Not just like a strong book. Faith is based in an object or a person. So the faith is based on Jesus Christ for salvation. That is the gospel. Faith without works, action. So gospel is the good news. And this faith is the... Uh, and this is God, just let's go back. This gospel is the good news about a person um, of Jesus Christ, what he did, which can be, can be a body of belief and says the Christian faith could be interpreted as the Christian body of belief, Christian faith, uh, and it's a relational thing, so it's personal, and it, so they are uh, exclusive, um, inseparable, because you can't say you have faith and you do not believe, because that will be contradictory of itself. So this gospel that Paul was preaching is about the good news that God, the good news is that you should have, God died for you. And this God is the person of Jesus Christ. Um, and you need to believe that he did, which is faith in action. Uh, you believe that, you say yippee, yippee-io. Good news, that is the body, that's that. This, this person who died for you, not only died, but he raised again, as he said elsewhere. That is the good news of the gospel. He died for you, personal. And he was, in other words, he was raised again, and he lives. And that's another benefit, that the person who, and again, you know the recent history, when you're saying this to that immediate local audience, they would have had memory, the, the world was still being up here, we, we heard about this person who was crucified. It was a big thing in the newspaper, local dailies, around that time. For months, for years, and then there's this group that continued to perpetuate this message. And so now, 
that becomes like a body of belief. Hence the word gospel or this good news. That is where Paul was, was speaking. Well, let's then conclude this time. I do apologize for extending, uh, going over the time limit again. But let's conclude here. And, and the next time, the Lord willing, uh, we want to ask another question in terms of comparing and contrasting the reactions of the apostle to Paul and those two visits to Jerusalem after his conversion and see what happened. And also, um, who was along with Paul when he yet made that second visit? Who, who he had as his job? Who was accompanying him and some of the other questions there? Let's close then. Our Father, thank you again for today and again the opportunity to just look a little bit a little closer at Paul and not only Paul by name, but again what he would have been dealing with immediately following his conversion and how that would have impacted his local community and his eventual um, return and visit to Jerusalem. I pray that uh, you will continue to um, give us an insatiable appetite to know more so that we again can best describe or better describe what took place and have a great appreciation for what it is that took place in the early days and how we might continue where possible to use those principles to continue to spread the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.